Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. This morning is the final, finally, the final fruit of the Spirit. We're up to number nine in the fruit of the Spirit. It's the one that I believe ties everything together. It's called self-control. It's kind of an oxymoron because where we're going to go is probably not where you're thinking that we're going to go with this this morning. You'll find out why I say that. Uh, Self-control as a fruit just doesn't seem to fit. It seems like self-control, rather than be being a result of something, that, that it would be a resolve to do something. And so many times self-control is taught, preached that way. Pull it together. You've got to do this, you know, 50 push-ups before you pray and, and, and dig in and all the rest of it. We're going to find out that this is a fruit of the Spirit of God. Fruit's an outcome. It's, it's, it's not a resolve to do something. It's the result uh, of something, a process, if you will, uh, that's already happened. So I want to go to uh, something that Jesus said, or uh, yeah, Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, in verse 43 to 45, Jesus said, no good fruit, no good tree, rather, bears bad fruit. Got that? Good tree doesn't bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Now, I'm not a horticulturalist. I'm not a tree guy. Uh, I would would be very, very uh, hard-pressed if you said to me, hey, there's a tree, but there's no fruit on it. Tell me what kind of tree it is. I could guess, I might say it's a fig tree, maybe an orange tree or something like that, apple tree, but I'd only be guessing because a tree to me looks like a tree. I could not pick a tree that doesn't have fruit on it and tell you what kind of tree that is. If you can, you are a sharper person than me. Congratulations, be proud of yourself, but I can't. I have to see the fruit to tell you what kind of tree it is if there's no fruit then I don't know what kind of tree that that it is. And I would guess that most of you are probably like me. You probably couldn't pick many trees uh, out without fruit on them, other than maybe a fern tree or something like that. But even then, there are probably a gazillion types of fern trees, different types, so you're not going to pick which one that is, probably unless it's your uh, industry. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man, woman as well, brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. So he's showing us the origin, if you will, of either good things or, or evil things. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You can listen to somebody for, I can listen to somebody for five minutes and I can tell you kind of what's in their heart because it's going to come out of the mouth. That's where the origin is is in the heart. Uh, And whether that's creativity or 
just foolishness, jesting, sarcasm, or faith, and the fruit of the Spirit will come out of the person's mouth if you just listen to somebody talk. And some people love to talk. They can talk underwater. They love to hear themselves talk, and they talk, and they talk, and they talk. And it's all coming from what is in their heart. The tree is known by the fruit. Have you ever seen a tree and thought, what is it? And you have to wait until the season of that tree to bear fruit. Until it does bear that fruit, you don't know what it is because they all look the same. Now, there is fruit that will identify whether a person is following God or not. And that's where we're at with the ninth fruit, the final fruit of the Spirit. Somebody says, well, there's only one fruit. It's fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. Well, maybe that's true. It's a metaphor anyway. Don't read so much into it, Haas, because uh, it doesn't really matter all that much. Uh, If I said to you, there's a bowl full of fruit, it could have bananas and apples and oranges. I just call it fruit, not fruits, and we don't have to list it and get pedantic about the whole thing. So I would just say this, that the fruit is the quality or characteristics uh, of following Jesus. And so the fruit of the Spirit, the last aspect or quality, if you, if you will, uh, of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Galatians 5.22, which we started this series with and we're going back there now, Paul says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and finally, big drum roll, self-control. <laughs> Against such things there is no law. Self-control. It's almost like this last one. It's an essential ingredient, just like love is the first one mentioned, and all of these get swallowed up in love because they're all really aspects of love, if you will. But this one kind of ties the knot. It ties them all together because without self-control, you're not going to be kind, especially to people that aren't kind to you. Have you ever been there? You're out there in the workplace, perhaps, or Uh, at a family event, and somebody says something that's not so kind, but you're supposed to be kind to them. And if you don't have control over yourself, you're just going to let it fly. Uh, You know, don't mess with me. I've been there. And and the same thing when it comes to love or or joy, when when something bad happens. If you don't have self-control, you're not going to think, well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's going to be like, Joy, what happened to that? Bad things have happened. I've got to get this thing under control. Or think about peace when, when you get rattled and, and you get some bad news or some, something worrying is, is happening in the world or your situation or your circumstances change. If you don't have control over yourself, then, then peace is out the window. Patience. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Think about all the times. Going to Bunnings, trying to find somebody to wait on me and tell me where to find whatever it is and chasing people around with the, the red shirts all around there. Try to find people uh, at a bank. Where you go into the bank, you think, I just want to get a bank statement. Well, you can go online, but we don't do that anymore. 
or you're trying to find what's wrong with my phone bill. You get placed in a queue on the phone, and all of a sudden you're exposed to music that you hate, like Edelweiss or something, <laughs> or uh, the other songs that once they play the song, you can't get it out of your head. There's several songs like that that I think, oh man, like I hate that song because I'll be singing it all day long, all week long, uh, auto-repeat because I've listened to that over and over again, waiting for somebody to please take my call to help me, the customer. Patience? I got to have self-control to have patience. Kindness. Last week we looked at uh, Kindness or, or gentleness, rather, both of those, like out the door without self-control. It all requires self-control. And yet, like I said, self-control does not sound like a fruit. I can see kindness as a fruit. I can see gentleness as a fruit. I can see joy or peace or patience as a fruit. But self-control doesn't sound like a fruit. It sounds like self-effort. To, to control my behavior. It, it sounds like willpower. Just dig in. It's not an outcome of the Spirit. It's, a, it's what causes it. It's, it's like self-discipline to control my impulses and, and my actions, self-control. Well, if you struggle with self-control like me, I've got some good news for you this morning. Because self-control operates by a big word called grace. Self-control operates by grace. God, God gives you his ability. That's what grace is. It's, it's God giving you his ability to do what you can't do. Isn't that good? That's such good news. It's like, not, this is not just my ability, oh, self-control, oh, I got to be kind, oh, I got to be patient, oh, I got to be gentle, oh, I got to be happy when bad things are happening. Self-control is grace. God gives you the grace to control yourself. Grace is given and it's sustained by God. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, not a result of your self-effort. Grace is given freely by God. You cannot earn it. It's not of your own self-merit. You continually need to rely on the Spirit of God. Here's, here's some really good news. The more that you depend on Him, the more He empowers you. I'll say it again. The more that you are depending on God, not your own abilities, not your own resolve, not your own willpower to have control over whatever it is that you're trying to, to get control over in your life. And that could be anything from a lust to an anger to uh, perhaps a spending problem, uh, you know, anything like that. Anything that you're trying to, uh, to, to get control over, bad habits that might have you all entangled up, the more you depend on God, not yourself, the more you depend on him, the more he empowers you. That's how grace works. Your desire to please God starts to lead to a stronger resolve than your desire to please yourself. I remember 
watching this on YouTube, and um, this dog, this, the owner, the master of the dog, he's got this dog, and says, sit! It's kind of like a bloodhound-looking dog, you know, the big jowls, slobber everywhere. <laughs> and the dog sits. And then the owner goes, picks up a big piece of steak. He goes, watch this. And he lays that piece of steak across the dog's big snout. And that dog doesn't flinch. It wants to eat that steak so bad. But it has so much control that it just sits there with the steak on its nose. You can see its nostrils going, you know, expanding, sniffing the snake, steak rather. You can see the, 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 the slobber coming down because the, the dog's dreaming about the steak. It wants the steak so bad, but it wants to please the owner more. So it doesn't do anything until the owner goes, hey, like that, all of a sudden, the steak disappears. As we trust God, and you want to please God more and more because God's empowering you and your relationship with God gets closer. He says, draw draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. As, as that closeness becomes uh, uh, closer and you, you become less distance from God, you become closer and closer and closer to God. God trusts you with more and more. He empowers you with more and more. Then it's not you just, ah, uh, I've got to fight this thing. I've got to fight it. It's all, I, I'm fighting it on my own and, and, and I've got 12 steps. Nothing wrong with all of that, but there's a better way. It's called the grace of God. It's letting the Spirit of God. Remember that these are the fruit of the Spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit of God. God's divine nature. God's ability. So a key here to self-control is this. Self-control requires self-surrender. The more that you surrender to God, the more control that he gives you over whatever that is that you're struggling against. To have self-control, you, you have to lose control. Now herein, again, is another challenge because we don't think this way. It's not natural thinking. This, this only comes through the Spirit of God. I don't want to lose control. I like having control over my life. I think that, that uh, losing control to me, is synonymous with danger. Think about driving a car. I, I, I read up a little bit on self-driving cars. And, you know, they're kind of a fact in some places. They're right around the corner. They're working out all the bugs as we speak. And, and, and self-driving car to me, what, what an appealing thing to drive like from, from here, like a 12-hour, 14-hour uh, drive between here and, and where Gail lives to go see her family. Uh, gee, to sit back in a self-driving car and have a sleep, that would just be so cool. To read a book, I can't because I get car sick, but, uh, you know, to, to watch television in the car or, or whatever, whatever, and let the car drive itself. But that's a scary thing. Why? Because I don't have control. And they have self-driving trucks and 
Airplanes have autopilot, but the day that the pilot's not sitting in the, in the jumps in the chair, and it's just autopilot takes off, autopilot flies, and autopilot lands, I'm not getting on that aircraft. I want to make sure there's a human that's, that's at least there to take control over the situation. So thinking about losing control, for most of us, is not a very appealing thing. If you've ever been out of control in a car, that is a scary thing. We used to have black ice where I grew up in Detroit uh, in the wintertime. Ice is bad, but black ice is where the ice looks black, literally, and it's usually over bridges because there's no ground underneath there to absorb or to give heat, rather. Uh, so the ice gets really, really hard and really slick. And so there's warning signs, warning black ice ahead. If you get on that black ice and you try to turn or try to break or do anything, forget it. The, the momentum of the car is going to take you in whatever that direction is. You are not going to control the vehicle when you hit black ice. You are going to be out of control. I've done that, and the car's done like big spins and everything else. Black ice is so dangerous because you're at the total mercy, whatever that big vehicle is going to do. So when I think about surrendering to God, losing control, that's what it takes for self-control. That just doesn't make sense. Surrendering, losing control, that's dangerous. I don't like being out of control. And yet, that's what God is asking of us. He wants us not to crash, and he's not going to let us crash, but he wants us to trust 100% in him. That's why it says at the end of that whole list in Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit, he says, against such, there is no law. You see, there's, there's, there's no need for protection when it comes to something protecting me from God. No one needs protection from a spirit-led life. Say that again. Nobody needs protection from a spirit-led life. I even think about the day of Pentecost. Again, next Sunday, we'll be celebrating that. But what looked like total chaos, out of control, almost like a reenactment of creation itself, where the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep, and it says, and, 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 and there was no form, and there was no, you know, there was nothing uh, orderly about it until the Spirit of God comes on the scene there, and he, and he shows up in an upper room where 120 people are there, and they're all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there comes this sound like a mighty rushing wind and fills the whole house where they're seated. And they begin to speak in other tongues, and, and they begin to prophesy. All, all this stuff starts to happen, and, and you might say, well, that just looks like uh, a total disorder. It looks like out of control. It looks like, like chaos. They just weren't in control. But if you look at what that was really all about, what looked like out of control was actually God's control. It was God bringing order into a situation. Because in that day, he says, when my spirit is, is going to be poured out upon all flesh, young men are going to see visions. 
What is that? That's the ability to see. See so that you don't stumble. You're not going to be stumbling around anymore wondering which way do I go? Hey, oh, there's a table. I'm blind. I can't see anything. Oh, there's a chair. Oh, like you're going to be, you're going to have sight. Your old men are going to dream dreams. They're going to have a sight even in their old, old age. And upon my maidens, my handmaids in that day, you're going to prophesy. What is that? That's direction. It's giving sound direction. It's giving control where it doesn't look like there's any control. It's giving visibility. The ability to see comes by following the Spirit of God. So being out of control, surrendering to God, it brings great clarity, no longer stumbling around. Self-control, the difference between self-control, God's way, following the Spirit of God, and Doing it in the flesh is the difference between strive and surrender. I can strive through my life, or I can surrender. Surrender says, or strive rather says, control yourself. Surrender says, surrender yourself. Don't strive, surrender to the Holy Spirit. In other words, go with God, because self-control is spirit flow. Self-control is letting go. Letting go of what? Selfish ambition, goals without God. God says this, without a vision, my people perish. The word perish means they cast off restraint. Without a vision, my people are in chaos, God says. He enables you to do what he calls you to do by the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, In that day, the helper or the comforter is going to come. The helper what? The helper to take and guide you. He's also called a guide. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you into all truth. He wants to comfort you, and and he wants to help you do by grace what you cannot do. Listen to 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7 in ESV. It says this, For God gave us a spirit, not a fear, but of power and love and self-control. The Spirit of God brings or ushers in the ability to bring order out of chaos and to control situations. Now, I know that control tends to have a negative connotation. That's why whenever somebody's in a position of authority, oh, that's just control. They just want to control you. You hear that all the time. Somebody is a boss or they're in a, perhaps even a ministry position and they say, oh, no, let's do it. That. That's just control. They don't understand that that's not, that, that negative aspect of control when the Spirit of God want, wants to control. It's not that he's turned you into a puppet or something like that. He, he wants to empower you through his grace to give you the ability to bring order out of the chaos in your life and to quit stumbling around through life and to get clear direction and, and clear visibility and to help you and guide you all, into all the truth. That's, that's God's whole motive. So health, self-control is given by grace. Second Peter, Peter 1 Verse 3 to 10, listen to this. His divine power, that's what comes with the Holy Spirit. His divine power, and get this, has given, 
us everything we need for a godly life. So many times we're praying for something that God's already given us. His, his divine power, that when you ask Jesus into your heart, and if you haven't done that, you'll get a chance at the end of this message. He, his divine power has past tense, already done it, done deal, ha, has given us everything that pertains to godliness, to, to, to life and, and, and godliness, a godly life through our knowledge of him who's, who has called us, who, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Verse 4, through these he, he has given us his very great and precious promises. He's already done that. So that through them you may, listen to this, you may participate in the divine nature. Not the fallen, corrupt nature. Not struggling away in your sins. Not controlled by habits and, 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 and evil. Not controlled by the flesh. He has, he has, has. We may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Isn't that good news? For This is worth meditating on this whole passage here. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Now he's, he's, he's listing here things, uh, most of which are, are, are mentioned as part of the fruit of the Spirit. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. And the self-control, perseverance. Where's the perseverance in this? I thought you said, Pastor Ed, that it's not my, my willpower. It's not by my resolve. It's a, it's a fruit. It's, it's a result. You have to persevere in your thought life. Because your thinking tries to take you back into self-control. Give me the controls back again. I, I'm going to take, I don't trust God. Give me the controls back. I'm, I'm, a, I'm afraid this thing is going to crash. I need to take it back. Once you surrender to God, you've got to leave it to God. Oh, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's frightening to be around, uh, along for the ride. The most frightening thing to me on the road is not self-driving cars, not that there are any, but when there are some. It's human beings behind the wheel. Have you ever driven, like, between here and Brisbane? It's about 100 kilometers between where we live and the sun, on the Sunshine Coast in Brisbane. I hardly ever go to Brisbane yet where somebody doesn't do something incredibly stupid and dangerous, or I don't see somebody weaving in and out and, you know, hooning around and think they're going to kill somebody. That's not a self-driving car, friend. That's a human being. Human beings are the most dangerous animals on the planet. It's not lions and tigers and bears. It's human beings are the cause of, of, of practically every bad thing going on uh, on the planet. Why? Because in their hearts, they've got an evil nature. Until they turn their life over and surrender to the Spirit of God, God says, I'll give you a new heart. 
I'll give you fruit that flows out of my divine nature, out of my Holy Spirit. Out of your life flows rivers of living water out of your life. That tree now, because it's a new tree planted in the rivers of God, that tree starts to bring forth good fruit in its season. And all of a sudden, you know them by their fruit. You can see and listen to them talk, and you go, wow, you've changed. What happened? Brand new creation in Christ Jesus. No longer a danger to other people, but you're kind. You're gentle. You're patient. You're known by, by your fruit. Something has happened. Self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Comes right back to that first fruit of the Spirit. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their past sins. If you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, you pray to prayer, it's not a formula, but you pray to prayer something like, God, forgive me for my past. I turn from, uh, from my past sins. I repent of uh, my past. Make me clean. Make me new. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. If you've done that, you have been cleansed from your past. That's a fact. That is a past tense statement. Now, if, you can, if you'd say you don't sin, you're lying. But if you do sin, it says 1 John 1, 9, uh, repent. And he, and he is faithful to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You've got a white robe on, you're walking through life, and, and you get uh, a little bit of dirt comes on that white robe is what happens if you walk with a white robe through your life. You're going to get some kind of soil. I've got a white jacket on right now. Uh, give me a year and this thing will probably be black if I wore it all the time. Uh, but but he, he is faithful and just to cleanse you from any unrighteousness, any dirt that gets on your life. He is faithful to cleanse you from that if you would just ask him for forgiveness of that and move on. But you're a brand new creation. What don't people understand about that? If anybody be in Christ, they are a brand new creation. They are born again. That's what Jesus says. It's not cliche and the world tries to make it out to be some silly thing. You are born again into the family of God. You're a brand new creation that never existed before. You no longer stumble around blind. Don't forget that you have been cleansed from your past. In verse 10, therefore... My brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, oh man, if you do these things, and you can read, we read it, all these things, you will never stumble. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to close. Self has been king for so long in so many of our lives. 
selfishness, selfish ambition, carnal nature, the works of the flesh, has, has sat on a throne for so long that some of us have become subject to that king called self. We've taken orders for so long. We're trained to jump when self says jump. We're trained to fight back and not to be gentle and kind. We're trained not to have joy, but to wait till all the happy ducks get lined up and then we're going to be happy. We're trained to be impatient, get our rights, jump up and down, whinge and complain about everything in society and everything that's wrong with the government and everything that's wrong with the church and everything that's wrong in our family and blah, blah, blah. We are trained by the wrong king. But when you ask Jesus into your heart, there's a new Lord sitting on the throne room, the throne of your heart. The old king has been dethroned, done away with. He or she had to step down off of that throne. Jesus is Lord means exactly that. Jesus is Lord. Somebody said once, there's two words that never go together once you ask Jesus into your heart. And that's no and Lord. If he's Lord, it's yes, Lord. If Jesus is the king, it's never no, Lord. It's yes, Lord. Therefore, I surrender to him. There's a new king on the throne of my heart. He's not a good idea. He's not a suggestion. He's not somebody, oh, I'll try it, see if it works. He's an all-or-nothing proposition. But when you make him the Lord of your life, all of a sudden he gives you this thing called grace, the ability to do what you can't do and overcome in habits and things that, you, that, things that controlled you in the past. All of a sudden there's, there's the grace of God's Spirit that kicks in. I, I, I'm saddened because so many Christians never experienced that. So they go back to really what we all knew before we became a Christian, before we got saved. Self-effort. Wondering, why can't I kick this thing? Why, why is it that I struggle year after year after year? I'm, I'm, I'm born again. And I don't have all this fruit. It's because it's the fruit of the Spirit of God. Again, it's a surrender. It's a result, not a resolve. It's a flowing in the Spirit. It's a grace of God to let this happen, not try to make it happen. And my resolve is just in my thinking. As the Spirit leads me to respond as I, as I abide in Christ and let His Spirit abide in me, His grace empowers me to do what I can't do. God wants to give you His ability to make responsible decisions, ex exercise restraint, to align your goals and objectives to Him. It's amazing, isn't it, that God would put His treasure, His Spirit in earthen vessels. 
I can't get my head around that. His divine nature in an earthen vessel like me, that just doesn't make sense. I remember hearing the story once of probably the most renowned diamond ever, the Hope Diamond. I saw, I've seen the Hope Diamond a few times in the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C. It's got like quite a, a checkered history because almost everybody that's owned the Hope Diamond has died tragically. But I remember um, reading about the Hope Diamond as you kind of look at it. It's got all these stories on the wall there. And there was someone that owned it. And uh, they had a big party. And, and everybody's, you know, drinking and partying. It was, I think, back in like the 1700s or something like that. They're throwing this big party. Anyway, I think they got a little bit too much to drink. So they took the Hope Diamond and they put it on, the, uh, on their dog as a co neck collar. So the dog's running around the party. Everybody's petting the dog. What nobody realizes is that the dog is wearing this ridiculously expensive diamond, the Hope Diamond. A dog. A dog had a treasure. <laughs> a precious, valuable treasure. If anybody would have known it, they would have just, come here, boy, come on. Uh, you know, in the pocket, out the door, man. Like, so many of us, we've got the most valuable treasure ever. The Spirit of God. But it's in an earthen vessel. And we tend to focus on the earthen vessel who we are instead of the treasure of who He is on the inside. And you see, the Bible says this. It says, Christ in me. That's the Spirit. Christos, Christ. In me. The hope of glory. My only hope of glory, of getting control over habits, situations that I face, unresolved con conflict, unkind people, of pulling all this fruit together. My only, your only hope is the Spirit of God doing what I can't do, enabling me and you to do what we cannot do. So would you allow, this morning, would you allow the helper, the Holy Spirit, to align your desires to His. Would you surrender from your external regulations and rules to heart transformation? Would you exchange your resolve for His release? You can choose now to let God have control of your life and choose freedom over self-control right now. Instead of focusing on do not, why not focusing on do and letting God empower you to do what you cannot do? Self-control, the result, the fruit of a spirit-filled, spirit-led life. Let me pray with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. I want to give you that opportunity. I try as much as we can every service to, to 
give people an opportunity to respond. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can pray after me if you want to, to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. And then we're just going to take a moment, and we're going to turn over to him whatever it is that's had control of our life that we haven't been able to conquer in our own flesh and our own ability and our own resolve. Whatever that is, could be a habit again, could be a way of thinking, whatever it is, you know. So just be honest with God. I'm going to give you a chance to turn that over and surrender and let the Holy Spirit empower you to do what you can't do. So right now, if you want to, ask Jesus into your heart. Give him control of your life and trust him. It's called faith. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Dear God, I turn from my way to your way. Jesus, I thank you for giving me a brand new life, a brand new beginning, a brand new start, and the power to live the life that you have for me. Jesus, I give you my heart. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.